Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro and Strength and Speed owner, Evan Preparis. And I have Brenna with, back with me for, what is this, like the third episode in a row? No, wait, this might be four. Oh, maybe it's three. I don't know. I don't know. Three, I guess. We're, we're also recording them and releasing them out of order, so uh, this might be the third or fourth episode in a row recorded. Or Let's just say more than the past few months. It's almost so, like you're the regular co-host again. It's weird. I know, it's it's like, that's how we started this thing. <laughs> All right. Before we get to today's guest, let's do a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Harbinger Fitness. If you've ever gone to a gym and used a dip belt or some of their pulley attachments or seen someone in the gym wearing gloves, they are probably Harbinger. They have a pretty extensive fitness line. And if you go shopping in pretty much any fitness or strength training store, Dick's Sporting Goods, Walmart, etc., and go pick up some gym accessories, Harbinger is literally all over the place. Personally, I have one of their weight belts with green, which has a Velcro on the back, so I have some patches on the back there, like the CTG Pro Team and the Strength and Speed patch. And then the other big thing I have from them is the weight vest. So it's a 20-pound weight vest, and you can adjust the weight. So I typically start at the beginning of the season like 10 pounds, then kind of add weight throughout the year uh, to work on my obstacle pro- uh, progressive nature. Brenna, what are your thoughts on Harbinger? Oh, man, right there with you. Um, I have quite a bit of things from them because I've picked up some from the store, like you said, randomly. I have, like, an ab roller from Harbinger. I have a home pull-up bar system that works as a push-up bar and dip bar. Um, And then, like you, I have the weight vest, which I use all the time. It's amazing. Um, Gloves. They have, uh, like, bar fat grips that are great for grip training, and you can use them in so many different ways, whether you put it on a dumbbell or... Say if you're doing like a, a squat with wide grip, um, gets you prepared for monkey bars that are fatter bars. It's amazing for different things. And then just general strength training, it's always available in perfect tools. So check them out if you haven't. And then once you look at them, you'll be like, holy crap, I've been using that all the time. And you'll love it. And speaking of strength training, we're going to introduce our guest. I'm going to read through a bio and then we'll start talking to her. So we have uh, Heather Cox on the podcast today. She did not play sports in high school, uh, signed up for her first road race at 10K at 18, but didn't really get into sports until later in life, around age 33, playing roller derby. Then started doing Tough Mudders after that, and kind of fell headfirst into the obstacle course racing scene, got her first Spartan Trifecta in 2012, was a regular at a bunch of Battle Frog races, a regular at Shell Hell, or Shell Hill, I I always go there for their 24-hour event, and then... After OCR, so around 2016, 2017, switched into uh, competitive bodybuilding, or f- which is the physique category in bodybuilding, a subcategory, and had pretty awesome placements. Let's see, uh, first place at my, our first show, f- 4 to 17 in women's physique division, participated in nationals, ranked 6th, 7th, and 9th, participated in four shows after that. And then switched from NPC, uh, which is the National Physique Council, to OCB. I'm not really, sh- I'm not sure that that one's. Uh, what is it, Heather? It's a organization of competing bodies. 
Origins Day, there you go. Which is the all-natural all tested Federation, Federation Wonder Pro card in June and Wonder First Pro Show in July, which is pretty awesome. So she still does some OCR on the side, but is heavily focused on physique bodybuilding now. So, Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Cool. I'm really excited about this topic. Um, it's a topic I've kind of touched on before. We touched on a little bit with Jamie Stiles on the podcast, who competed in figure. But I had not realized before reading your bio, when we asked you to be on the show, I didn't realize you had actually won your pro card, which is super awesome. So big congratulations there. Thank you. And on top of that, uh, if, if, you, if people kind of recognize the name, uh, you used to go by Heather Moss. So people may know you by that name from um, a little earlier in your OCR days. Correct. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's jump into it. Brenna, what do you got? You can go first here. Yeah, well, I'm just really excited about this because I've seen, it seems like more and more just from getting into the fitness community, I've seen more about bodybuilding and this whole industry, but I, I know nothing about it. So I'm excited because, Heather, I've known you from OCR and mainly Battle Frog. I think that's where we met, probably hanging out at a rig or something. <laughs> more than one, yes. Um, and for those, let me paint the picture if you're just listening to this. Heather, you're known for it's Wonder Woman, right? That's kind of like your theme and your attire that you wear throughout yeah. your bodybuilding and OCR, right? Yep. Awesome. Well, I love it. And um, so my first question, you basically said you didn't have a background in sports, um, roller derby. How did that, if you don't have a background in sports, you're just like, I'm going to go do roller derby because that's kind of random. <laughs> no, well, no, well, let me preface it. I wasn't into sports, but I've always been into working out. Uh, so when I, um, well, I was lazy in high school, but once I hit um, college, I took my first weight training class and was hooked on, on fitness. And um, so I had been working out mainly at home doing like beach body and um, there was a restaurant in Potsdam I frequented and the owner's wife actually was starting up a roller derby club um, in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. And I went in, would go in once a week to have dinner there. And every time I went in, she would bug me. She was like, you have to come out. You have to try out. You have to try out. And I finally was like, fine. I went and bought a set of skates and uh, I showed up and I made 50 friends on the first night. Um, Cause that's how many women that were on the, were on the team or were trying out. So uh, it, it was the first time I'd ever done a team um, sport, you know, something where, you know, you're with 50 other women and, you know, that could go one of two ways. And the women were just phenomenal. Um, I played for a year and um, I, I ducked out um, shortly after having two shoulder injuries, believe it or not, neither of them were directly related with derby. It had more to do with arm wrestling after derby practice. Whoa, so, whoa, whoa. All right. That's how that brings up a whole bunch of other questions. <laughs> So, yeah, I had fun for a year, and I, you know, I got out before I uh, really hurt myself, um, and then switched over to something safer. Now I'm curious about arm wrestling. So, it, was this just people messing around after roller derby practice, or was you actually competing in like arm wrestling competitions? No, um, post practice plus beer. I gotcha. Equals okay. not smart decisions. <laughs> so, so I, I tried with my right arm, you know. Had to take a rest for six weeks on my right arm, and then it's like, well, the right arm's not working. Let's try the left arm. That didn't work either. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how you'll learn to stop. He ran out of arms. So. <laughs> exactly. 
Well, did you have any roller derby related injuries? Like, I did not, actually. It was funny. It was shortly before the end of my derby career, and I fell at practice, and everyone just stopped um, because one thing I was very good at was staying on my feet, and it was the first time they'd seen me fall. And it was like this really big thing, and I'm like, everyone falls every time. They're like, but you didn't. I'm like, well, now I did. <laughs> Get over it. So, yeah. Yeah, but no, I, I didn't uh, actually had zero injuries from derby, which was nice. Um, I was very blessed, and I counted my chickens and walked away. Um, so I went to a safer sport, like OCR. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah, so how did that transition occur? Well, it was actually, ironically enough, the there were some women on the roller derby team who um, had done Tough Mudders uh, in previous years or pre- the previous year with um, their spouses, and they, you know, opened it up to the group, and I was like, sure, I'll go. And then, you know, one by one, they started backing out. And there were two other girls left, and I said, you're not backing out. You're not allowed. So I went and picked them up and put them in, put them in the car, and we went. And uh, I also told them that they weren't allowed to walk during the race. I said, if we're doing this, we're going to run the whole damn thing. Um, so we, uh, it was in April 2012. I think it was like 42 degrees that day. Um, and we finished the entire course. Um, and I was good up until I had to fully submerge. And then the shake started. And uh, we ended up at the end of the Tough Mudder, um, somebody else had to undress me and, and put warm clothes on me because I couldn't stop shaking. Um, and believe it or not, even after all that, I was hooked and um, then somebody uh, said, you know, I wasn't racing unless I did a Spartan race, so I signed up for my first Spartan race, um, which was Palmerton. And uh, that was the only Spartan race I ran as open and then switched over to, to the competitive waves for the Jersey um, Mount Vernon race, and then I did Killington that year too. No. So South Spartan events or locations to do for sure. <laughs> yeah, they they it was uh, quite um, interesting. Like <laughs> I was, you know, I had never even run off road prior to doing that first tough mudder, so um, it was definitely a, a a switch for me. And but I fell in love with it, and you know, I'm still I have uh, races on my on my calendar for this year, um, so I'm super excited. Now, one of the other things I that I left out of the bio was you ended up getting ranked uh, seventh nationally in their point series. So that was the when Battle Frog had the you know basically the full series throughout the year. So obviously you did well there. So what is it that kind of drew you into that series? And you know, tell us a little bit more about your OCR accomplishments. Um. Well, with with Battle Frog, uh, we were in, uh, invited to the inaugural race um, in 2014 in Georgia. So, you know, drove all the way down and, you know, just fell in love with the obstacles. Um, my biggest, um, what I like best about uh, Battle for was that the competitive way was mandatory obstacle completion. Um, in my mind, it's an obstacle course race, so you should be able to do the, uh, the obstacles if you're going to be uh, racing competitively. So that's what hooked me in um, to Battle Frog specifically. You know, I got away from the Spartan race, you know, I I, I don't think we should be doing burpees. I think we should be doing the obstacles. Um, that's just my own personal opinion. Um, so you know, you're in good and, company you know. here. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I would you know get done work on a Friday, drive all night, get out of the car, get on the line, race, get back in the car, and go home. You know that was that was life for a good two years, um, and I loved it. So, um, but I had always. I had what I didn't include in my bio was in 2013. Um, Beachbody 
had their first, they had a, I guess, a bodybuilding type uh, competition in, in Las Vegas um, to promote their Body Beast program, and I decided to do it, and um, I ranked top 10, um, but it turned out it was more of a marketing ploy than a, than a true competition like NPC or OCB, and uh, it left a slight, slightly sour taste in my mouth. Um, in 2013, and it took till 2016, 17 for me to decide. You know what? I'm gonna try that again. And uh, so I decided to take a little bit of time off from racing. Well, I actually tried to do both, and I learned very quickly that the the body doesn't react well to trying to do both at the same time. No, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> so uh, I learned that the hard way. You know, my the week before my first competition, I actually um, ran a half marathon. And every step was agony, um, but I finished it because I had signed up for it. So, um, and I got my medal. Nice. That's important stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, most of us will do anything for a medal. Um, I have a my first road marathon, first and probably last road marathon scheduled for March. Um, I'm going to Little Rock, Arkansas, um, and I'm going there because they offer the biggest medal that I've found in the U.S. Oh yeah, theirs is huge. It's like preposterous. Yep. It's like a dinner plate. Yep, it's it's bigger than your head. So um, I will be doing that, and I can check that off my bucket list. <laughs> nice. Well, before we like switch into kind of the more of the bodybuilding aspect, you have. I mean, I think did you say in your bio? I remember reading that Savage did podium for Masters a couple. You're on Savage races a couple times, right? I have, and um, I just it was before my last show. Um, it was the Maryland race. I played second Masters. Nice. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. It was it was a really good course. And, uh, you know, the, the twirly bird got me last year. And I'm like, I'm not letting go. And then it was funny because I came up to the that particular obstacle. And there were there were two men started to go across. And they both fell in the water. And uh, there was a, a female um, um, volunteer. And she looks me in there and she goes, show them how it's done. And I'm like, okay, no pressure. Because <laughs> I hadn't completed the, that particular obstacle. But, you know, I held on, went through, and, yeah, uh, finished, nice. kept my band. So. But if I'm not mistaken, we have not seen you at Conquer the Gauntlet yet, have we? You have not. And it, it, it's one of those on my list, but I, I haven't yet. So... <laughs> Not no bias or anything here. Just saying, you might. Love it. <laughs> it's 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 not that I didn't want to. Um, and I had actually looked at um dates and places, and you guys don't come north, do you? No, um, Des Moines, Iowa is the most north we go. <laughs> okay. Um, central. It's very very Midwest based. Um, Dallas is a good one because it's just like a good flight hub to get into. And I've uh, never been to Dallas. Oh, when is that? When is it? Is that June? That's June, right, Evan? I think that's June 1st. June yeah. 1st. I think. I don't have anything on my calendar yet for June 1st. Oh, I think you should do it. We'll all be there. Well, I don't okay. know about Evan. I'll be there. <laughs> I should. And that'll be that'll be a good month after my um, my next uh, show because I'm doing the marathon in March, then switching gears for eight weeks, prepping for a show May 4th. So um, I'll be off prep. Um, for that. So that would probably be perfect. All right, y'all, you hear it. We're going to get her to CTG, her first one, Dallas 2019. Yay. 
I get it. Hey, if I say I'm going to do something, you know, I'm going to put it on my calendar, you know, come hell or high water, I'll be there. Exactly. And that's what Evan, I mean, I don't know if you remember, she's camped out. So she'll be a, she'll be a, like, if she doesn't get it on her first try, she'll camp until she gets that banned. I, I feel it. Yep. <laughs> I, I got two, I stayed in, stood in the stubborn line twice when I was being created. So I got double the dosage of stubborn. There you go. Well, um, let's switch into what you're pretty much, I, I'd say, more passionate in your community that you're taking seriously. Um, I want to know how you decided to do, why you decided to do this, or uh, the people I've talked to or have seen that do different categories of bodybuilding all have various reasons, whether it be um, they commit and they just, you know, are going to try to do it and see if they can. Um, well, have more of a deeper meaning back behind it so like what's your why well the, the reason why I did my first show I mean I'd always I'd been in the gym I'd lifted you know and I had a certain level of muscle mass um but the reason I chose to do it was to address my fear of getting up in front of people um I hate getting up in front of people um uh, I freeze you know break out hives um, I had to take a class in college. I had to get up, and all I had to do was read a paper, and I lost my voice before I was finished. Um, so uh, it was a way for me to, you know, what better way to address being in front of people than to stand in front of judges in almost nothing. So <laughs> if, if I could do that, getting up in front of people fully clothed um, should be pretty easy. So um, the uh, <laughs> one way to look at it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I – I prepared, I went through my first prep um, almost 100% on my own. Um, I had hired a posing coach close to the show itself because that's the one thing I did not have any clue about was posing. And um, he um, actually, um, I had actually lost a little too much weight. Um, I was stage ready a good six weeks before I should have been because um, I, I had not educated myself completely. And uh he took me under his wing uh, on a pro bono basis and, and kind of helped me dial in. And um, I got up on stage and, you know, I was nervous, but, you know, got through it and uh, took first place on that first show, which was um, very encouraging. And then, you know, went on to nationals. And I was a little disappointed with nationals, um, but um, as you guys, well, I know Evan probably is aware, NPC is not tested. So um, I was up against some big guns. And uh, I was told that even ranking top 10 nationally um, was an accomplishment. So um, so the why was originally was for the for the addressing the fear. And then um, it just felt like second nature after that. Uh, like I, kind of, I felt like I was home, if you will. And um, I started a group on Facebook called Prep Squad. Um, I started it was five of us, five girls. Um, we all knew each other. Um, and. Uh, it's a closed group um, inviting, you know, we would word of mouth, invite other women to come in for motivation, just venting, talking about, you know, what you're doing for prep and, you know, being able to talk to people who understand you because, let's face it, most people don't understand um, when women go into their prep mode or whatever and, you know, you need someone who you can connect to. So we are now 942 women strong. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. And um, it's a phenomenal group. Um, I do not allow any negativity because um, I do administer the group. Um, it's a positive place where you can feel comfortable sharing anything. Um, I go to other women's shows. Um, 
other women have now started going to each other's shows. Um, I had most recently um, gone to New York. One of the girls um, realized she was going to be at the show by herself. And I'm like, what's well, a date? I got in the car, drove five hours, you know, spent the day with her. Um, I even, I do also bake, so, which is completely opposite of the whole healthy bodybuilding thing. Um, so I made her. Off season, you got to bulk up. We'll count it. See, I'll get on my own soapbox about bulking. Um, it's a clean bulk. <laughs> yes, thank you. That's that's the um, appropriate way to do it. <laughs> the inappropriate or lazy way is dirty bulk, right? Like, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. No, um, and then you end up gaining excess fat that you have to lose anyway. Right. Um, but yeah. So anyway, the the preface of the group was to be um, uh, motivate others, inspire others, um, keep people on track. Um, and just have a safe place where, where women can, can um, become a community. So it's really expanded, and I'm really excited about it. That's awesome. Congrats on that. At the end, we'll have to make sure to share that so others can like, join if they're looking. Um, but for the, the novice that has no idea about this, I've mm-hmm. always wondered. So you hit two points that I wanted to know about, posing in general. But first, like when it comes to prep, you said you kind of did it on your own at first, and then this a coach helped, but mm-hmm. I mean, did you just start Googling and getting books of like previous other bodybuilders and strengths that you knew? And like, how do you make a prep plan? I mean, what goes into that? Like what's oh. well, kind of a short story of how that works. Well, I mean, for myself, cause I, I am, I am self-trained. Um, you, anyone that you talk to in the sport, even other coaches um, typically recommend to have a coach. Like even right. if you have someone who's, who coaches other people, you, because you, normally you need someone to keep you on track. Um, right. And I think with almost all athletes basically, right? I think it goes right. to say that we all you might be a personal trainer yourself, but you need someone to kind of do it for you too to help keep you motivated. Correct. And so I'm, I'm kind of an, an anomaly that way. I, I My stubborn nature um, keeps me from maybe doing it in the most traditional fashion. Um, now, you know, when you're when you're starting to go into prep, it, you have um, obviously you're going to start putting yourself at a calorie deficit, and you have your macros, which are your protein, your fats, um, and your carbohydrates. And there's lots of different schools of thought on um, how how one should um, cut their calories. Um, some people do keto, which I don't um, uh, personally agree with. Um, I know that it works in the short term, but then you end up having to come off of it, and so many people aren't educated well enough to come off that keto properly, so they end up gaining the weight back. So um, I've stuck with a 40-30-30 um, percentage split, so my protein's at 40%, and both my fat and my carbs are at 30%. So when I want to go, when I want to start prep and I want to cut down for stage, all I do is reduce my total calories but keep those percentages the same, and it's worked beautifully, and I don't have crashes, and I don't feel um, cranky, um, and I don't have that high and low with the, when people uh, play with their carbs. So, um but if you, if you're, if it worked for you because you got first in your first one, right? <laughs> yeah. So, and, and just out of curiosity, so how many, like, what's your body weight for show and then how many grams of carbs are you eating? I know that you told me the percentages already, but like, um, what does that actually come I out was, to? I was sitting at 123 pounds when I hit stage this last time. Um, and I was eating the last, week I was eating between 15 and 1600 calories a day so uh what's whatever 30 percent of what's 30 percent of 1500 
Oh, geez. Today. We're going to do math on the spot. This is, the, I'll edit this part out. 500. <laughs> yeah. It's four, it, yeah. Would, it would be 450 calories, and then divide. if you want grams, divide that by four. Right. So. Yeah, so all right. Someone else. So it's it's about it's about like 113 ish. Yeah, it's it's just under 120. Yeah, yeah. So it comes out to you're eating just under one gram of carbs per pound of lean body weight. Per, right. Okay. Yep. Cool. That's what I recommended yeah. in uh in my book. So that that works out. I approve. <laughs> We're on the same page and we didn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> so what's um you as a baker, that probably doesn't work, what's your diet what do you eat? Like um do you have good stuff or is it all very blah and boring? Well, I mean you can all, you can <laughs> you That's can what I imagine. Like, I just imagine like the same thing every day to like get that cut and shredded. I don't I I well, just it depends on how much money you have, you know, but uh, to be honest, I mean, I, I eat and I, it's funny, right before we got on the call, I actually finished my prep, uh, my food prep for the week. And, um, I make, I prep three meals, um, because I have to take them to work and I have my first meal and my last meal when I, when I'm at home. Um, my first and last meals are normally eggs and oats. Um, I'm a fan of eating steel cut oats with just salt and then I put my, um, well, I call them dippy eggs over top of my oats. So that's what I have for breakfast and dinner. Um, or what most people would call breakfast and dinner. I call it meal one and meal five. Um, during the day, um, I made this week, I made ground turkey, asparagus, um, butternut squash, broccoli. I have oats and I have ground beef uh, in different combinations um, for the day. So that's the type of food that I'm eating. So it's ground turkey, ground beef green vegetables, um, and either sweet potatoes, oats, or butternut squash. Do you have any in there? <laughs> Say that again. Do you have any flavor in there? <laughs> well, um, the, my meat I normally flavor uh, with chili powder, garlic powder, onion powder, cumin curry, um, and some cinnamon. Um, so I put that all in my mix, all in my ground meat, and, and cook it up, and then um, I only use salt for the rest of it um i do put a little bit of cinnamon in my squash and in my sweet potatoes but i'm not a big um sauce person to begin with like i could use hot sauce i could use mustard um i could even use onions and green peppers i just for for convenience and ease um i keep it very basic um as long as i'm hitting the right number of calories i'm happy um and then once a week i get um i get a treat meal which is typically a burger um, with an egg on it and sweet potato fries. No. Any any sweet treat or no that the sweet um, when I'm when I'm not on prep I I can you know I'll I'll indulge. Um, when we get off the call I'm actually going to be making chocolate chip cookies because I promised them to a number of people tomorrow. Um, but I actually will um, I also use uh, whey protein powder. Um, I use a whey isolate. Um, it's actually the flavor is peanut butter cereal milk, which is really good. And if I add um, a tablespoon of cocoa powder to it, and then um, I usually use cold coffee, mix it up, almost make it like a pudding, and I put it on chocolate rice cakes. That's my treat. Oh, and I people, that. So, and people I, are like, "That's a treat." I'm like, "For me, it is." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I'm because I just when you eat like that for so long, or th- you know, during this prep period it readjusts your baseline. So like things that normally didn't feel like a treat do feel like a treat. 
Like being right. like, I'm going to have an extra piece of Ezekiel bread today. Ooh. You <laughs> yeah. know, like people looking at you like you're out of your mind. You're like, oh, this is so good. This is- yep. <laughs> then this week I, I was like, I'm, I'm, I added an extra ounce of uh, meat per meal this week. So I'm having five ounces instead of four ounces. So Baller. that's a big deal to me. Baller. <laughs> so what length time frame of, like how long do you do this? Um, each person is different. depends on where you're starting. Um, you know, there's, I, there's women that I know that are on prep for 20 weeks and then, you know, there's people that can do prep as little as eight weeks. It depends on what your conditioning, uh, how conditioned you are when you're starting. So, um, because I was already pretty lean, um, I didn't need more than an eight week prep. Um, okay. if, and it, I mean, it depends on your body fat percentage, depends on what category you're competing in. Cause you have bikini, you have figure, you have, um, physique. So, each um, class has a different um, look that they're, you know, how, how you're supposed to look. Yeah, run through that for the guests real quick and give like an example of, I don't know, maybe someone famous that kind of fits that mold per se. No pressure. Um, uh, I don't know if everyone knows Dana Lynn Bailey. She, she actually uh, was Miss Olympia 2013. She was in physique. Um, I'm trying to think of yeah. somebody who would fit the category of figure. But didn't you say you interviewed someone who was figure? Did that, would everyone know who that is? Uh, well, Jamie Styles did figure when she. I think she competed in like two or three shows. So okay, so, but like, I mean, so like, so like bikini, bikini is like it looks like you're a hot girl at the beach, but except you're sp- covered in spray tan. You, you know, it, like it's a, it is. Um, you're not supposed to have. You're not supposed to have. Um, strongly defined muscles. You're supposed to be, and I hate this word, and I, I cringe that I'm going to actually use this word. You want to look toned. Yeah. I don't like the word toned. I hate that word. Um, it's, it's as bad as using the word nice, but that's the best way I can describe it. Um, now, And their, their poses, they're like sticking their ass out a little bit. Yes. And like, I don't um, even understand. Completely. Honestly, I don't even understand how the judges judge bikini because it's like, are you just picking who you'd like to sleep with the most? Like, I just, I, ser- <laughs> I seriously don't understand it. Because they all look the same to me. Like, when they line up, well, I'm like, these girls literally look like clones of each other. So. Well, I mean, there's, there's subtle nuances. It's the ang- uh, the taper of the waist. Um, it is the roundness of the bottom um, where you have um, the calves are defined, um, but you don't want them to be overly muscular. So there's that fine line. And um, I know that they've made some changes recently in the rules because – even the bikini women in the NPC, it was whispered that they were taking things um, to help them shred down. And uh, I mean, when it when it gets to that level, something needs to change. Um, you know, we're supposed to continue to look like women. We're not supposed to look like men. Um, and when you start to take things, your body changes. So um, the bikini uh, is a softer look. You're not going to have a, a defined back. It's going to be you're going to be thin. Um, but you want to be able to – there's also a larger um, weight, I believe, on how you present yourself on stage. Like, everyone needs to present themselves well, but they want someone that has that flounce, that flair, you know, doesn't look like, you know, a newborn cult walking in heels kind of thing. So you need to be able to uh, play to the judges. Um, okay, so so that's bikini. Next level up is figure. Take a is figure. You're going to have more muscle tone um, with figure. Um, you are going to have those defined shoulders. Um, you're going to have a more defined back. Um, 
still have that taper in the center, um, and you're going to have more uh, definition in your quads and your and your glutes, but still not cuts and shreds. Um, and then um, they're posing. They actually have four quarter turns, whereas the bikini is just front and back, um, but no um, uh, actual flexing. Um, no, they're con- they're considered relaxed poses. The four poses that the figure competitors do, and physique does those. Um, when they first come out on stage, and I will tell you, the four relaxed poses that you do are the most unrelaxed things that you'll ever do. Um, if you're not in discomfort while you're doing them, you're doing them wrong. So um, they're supposed to look relaxed, but they're not. And, and is next physique, and that's what you do? Correct. Um, physique, um, you're going to have um, muscle tone. I hate the word tone. You're going to be um, have muscle definition. You're going to have um, cuts. Um, sometimes you'll see striations, though I, my last show, um, I had one judge say that I was not um, conditioned enough, and then I had another judge say they weren't looking for glute striations. So how I can be lean enough but also too lean and have glute striations made no sense to me. Um, but you will see striations. You'll see um, uh, the veins in the arms, um, in the muscles, through the abs. Um, you'll see those defined cuts um, in the muscle. Um, and then you have not only your relaxed poses, but you'll have um, your other mandatory poses. You have your front double bicep. You'll have your side tricep, um, side chest, back double bicep, and your abdominal and thigh. Um, and those take lots and lots of practice. Um, you can tell if you would ever go to a show whether or not someone's practiced based on how badly they're sweating and shaking on stage because um, it's actually a really – um, difficult workout when you're up on under those lights and they make you hold those poses for what seemed like hours. Um, my last show, I think they clocked us on stage posing for nine minutes and 33 seconds, and it was a very long time. Yeah, I remember watching some of your stuff live. I think or a friend was filming it, and I was just like, "Well, like, I mean, I don't, I can't, like, I just didn't know what to say because like, they're just holding that." And a question I had because I've been told or what I've heard is that past the diet and like once you get used to the the prepping and that part of it, the posing is like the hardest part because I've heard it like hurt because you're basically mm-hmm. holding for however long. So, I mean, right. is that, it, it, if, if you don't practice, that's true. Um, I um, pose after every workout. So I pose every day, even in off season. Um, that way my body's continues to be conditioned so I can stand on stage and I can hold a pose um, pretty much as long as you need me to and not get out of breath and not start sweating. Um, and uh, I will say, I will say it's, it's harder than everything else, you know, being able to present your muscles because you can go to the gym every day and have great muscle tone and, you know, a great physique. But if you don't know how to show the judges your physique, um, you can still lose placement. That's crazy. And so do you, so your coach that you got just, you basically have like a book or a series of all the poses and you just, um, you, I mean, you can Google them. And he, I mean, he showed me those poses back when um, when he helped me with my uh, shows last year. Um, I decided to not continue with him um, uh, after nationals. Um, we had a um, difference of opinion as far as what is okay to take and not take, and I'm all natural, and that's how I'll stay. So I decided to train myself, and uh, I mean, the poses don't really change. I mean, you can change arm placement, you know, the angle of the body, but the, the poses themselves are the same. Um, I know that um, OCB actually gives you written guidelines 
Um, I think most of the federations have the written guidelines out there um, and links to tutorials on what the poses look like. It's just crazy. This is just like, I, this seems, I could, I would want to do it to see if I could do it, but I'm already telling myself that I don't think I could do it, just the whole thing. I, I think you could. I mean, the, the, the going to the gym, I mean, the, the eating's harder is uh, the more difficult part than the gym part, at least yeah, for eating. most people. Um, but if you can get both of those down and, and turn the brain off from that hunger factor, um, and that's something that happened um, during this last year, um, I stopped feeling hungry, at least in my stomach. Like, the only time I knew, hey, it was time to eat, is my brain started to get a little cranky. So I, I lost that hunger factor. And I think part of that was because I had eliminated sugar. You know, I wasn't even having fruit um, for the longest time. I haven't even, I haven't eaten an apple in over a year. Um, so it, it it really changes your um, mental focus. And, you know, if you can do the workouts consistently and you can, you know, if, as long as you prep your food, because that's a lot of people fail because they, they fail to prepare. Um, if you prepare your food, eat what you prepare, don't buy junk from the store. And you, you make it all the way through. I think you yeah. can do it. <laughs> but I'm like you when I say I'm going to do something, I commit. But yep. I don't keep my, my goals and plans down. So it's one of those ones that I have in my head. And I'm like, okay, one day I'm going to put it on paper. And yep. then I'm going to have to do it. But I haven't put it on paper yet. So I'm still so okay. holding off. Well, let me know what you do. <laughs> oh, I will be joining your group for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, well, so let's tie this into OCR and training. Because you said you tried to kind of mix them together and it didn't work. But then you've also said you've got races planned. So you have like an off-season from... Um, your bodybuilding that you can do OCR. Do you train differently in the gym? Because um, I guess for bodybuilding is more focused on muscle groups per se, but OCR is not. I will say, um, I, I, I've been heavy lifting even when I was training for OCR. Um, I had more running in my um, training um, when I was just doing OCR. Um, I uh, most competitors. Most people going into into a bodybuilding competition still have to do cardio. So I could have, if I was the, if I trained like everybody else did, having that running in my in my um, repertoire wouldn't have been a bad thing. Um, but I tend to lean out pretty quickly, so um, I actually had to not do cardio during my prep um, because it, I, it would have compromised. Uh, the muscle I built in my legs. Um, I would have pared down a little too much on the bottom. And uh, so I struggled with, with that. So I wasn't allowed to run while I was prepping for a show. And that was part, that was my biggest problem and why I couldn't personally um, combine the two. Um, I do still keep fingertip pushups in my, in my workouts. I still do pull-ups every week. Um, um, and uh, on the off, when I'm not in straight prep, um, I go to the basement uh, at Warhouse and do engine uh, sled pushes and, you know, tire slams and that type of thing. So I try to keep my hand in even even while I'm, you know, doing my bodybuilding thing. Um, but with it's more a matter of the diet and the body's depleted um, when you're in prep. So to go out and run a race and, you know, I, I don't know the calculation of how, much, how many calories you burn during a race. Um, but when you're on a strict... Um, eating regimen, um, you don't get those extra calories that you would need if you're going to go out and do a race. 
Right. So you yeah. know, you're not feeling properly necessarily. Your training might be okay, but fuel-wise, you're a little bit different. <laughs> right. And, you know, I know my my go-to fuel um, whenever I'm racing is honey. Um, I don't use anything else. It's the only thing that I found that doesn't upset my stomach while I race. So, and honey is a big no-no when you're prepping, so, because it's straight sugar. So, um, but this coming year, I, I've kind of, I've, I've planned it out where I'm going to, I'm doing Shell Hill's last race in February, um, and then I'm going to do the marathon in March, take eight weeks, prep for my show in May, and then swing back into OCR. Um, that's the plan. So I'm only, I'm only going to compete, um, in May. Um, I'm going to. I'm gonna pair it back because I I do miss racing. And, uh, are you just doing are you just doing one show in May? Or are you gonna like do two in a row? There's there's two. Um, I'm doing a show in Virginia on May 4th, and then um, actually one of the girls on the prep squad page um, uh, is from Canada, and she invited me to come up to Canada to do a show there. Um, so it'd be kind of it'll be kind of cool and interesting to to go under a different federation um, in a different country and um, and compete. Um, cause I won't be, I won't be considered pro there. So it, it would, it's more for fun, um, just to have the, have a different experience. Um, and we actually have girls, um, as far as Australia, um, we have, I think we have a girl in South Africa. We have, um, girls in Europe and they're all over the place. So, I mean, my goal eventually is to go visit everyone. So, um, right. Each of the, each of the countries that are being represented. So, um, so yeah, May 4th, May, May 11th. And then, um, I'm going to switch gears back into to racing cool have you seen the documentary raising the bar i have not oh you need to see it it's so good it's like the best okay so it's uh it's i think it's like the best bodybuilding documentary there is um personally so there's actually three of them there's raising the bar one two and three um i have them on dvd which does not help you (laughs) no but if you come to a ctg (laughs) i'll let you borrow them or if i end up going to shell hill uh, which are you uh, going for the last race? I was, but I think we, Brenna and I, might be going someplace else that weekend. So <gasps> we will, uh, oh. we will see. Um, yeah. I, I don't know; it's not definite yet. So I don't want to start making announcements about where we're going. Dude, it's 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 worthwhile to go just for the bacon. Yeah, <laughs> all you can eat all day long. I'm just saying. That's pretty, but <laughs> any anyway. So in the documentary, um, like. So the, the, I did I did the same thing when I was uh, prepping for shows. I all did it all myself. Basically, did all the research online, read a ton of books, watched a bunch of YouTube videos, watched a bunch of documentaries, and basically started mimicking what other people were doing. And yep. the first, like when I got into my first show, you know, I I was trying to make things work without it just going to like this is what you need to eat. Period. And, like I was trying to like find other things that had similar macros and kind of make try to like squeeze them in and. Um, you know, I watched that documentary and the like the main character on it, who's I can't remember if he's pro or I don't think he's pro. I think he was going for his pro card. I can't remember. Either way, um, he's like he's like there's foods that work and there's foods that don't work. And he's like, here are the foods that work: like egg whites, chicken breast, you know, fish. And yep. He, and he he literally named like six or eight foods, and he's like, that's it. He's like, there's, those are the two categories: there's foods that work, foods that don't work. He's like, don't pick the foods that don't work. And I was like. All right, and that like, that's what I needed to hear, and it like flipped a switch, and like the next time I ended up uh, preparing for a show, that's what I did. I basically just stuck with the, essentially the quote unquote the foods that work, and right. um, yeah, it was much, 
it was also like psychologically easier because you're like, all right, well, these foods are now, I, I, I simply just don't eat those. Just, I just don't consider them food anymore. And this is what right. I consider food. So that's what I'm eating. Yep. And um, yeah, it's kind of the way it is. Now, mm-hmm. you know, bodybuilding, that type of sport is, I mean, it's, it's completely life consuming, right? Like there is not an hour of your day that goes by that's you're not even thinking about some sort of competing or your diet or your training or something like that. Correct. It's, it's a commitment. Yeah. And like, I don't think people, if you haven't done it, I don't think people really realize how life consuming it can be. Yeah. Because you're thinking, I mean, I mean, beyond, beyond the, you know, getting up at, well, I get up at two forty five every day, get to the gym by 4am. Um, I do that. I do that in part. <laughs> what? I'm going to bed then. <laughs> well, I do that in part because I um, I do some personal training on the side. So I have clients in the morning and then I have to go to my regular job and then I have clients after work. And if I'm not in bed by 8 o'clock, you know, I'm not even getting seven hours of sleep um, when that alarm goes off again at 2.45. So um, I do get a little bit more sleep sometimes on the weekend if I'm not traveling um, and, you know, driving to places like Georgia um, in a weekend. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you, you have to be extremely regimented and not just with, you know, your workout schedule, but you, the food that you're eating and when you're eating it and how often you're eating it, you know, and then of course you have your day to day, uh, if you work in a, uh, a corporate setting, which I do, um, there's temptation around every corner. Oh, have this donut. Oh, let's, you know, it's bagel day, you know, let's all order out. Um, why don't you want to drink? You know, so you're, you're, you're combating all of those things pretty much on a daily basis because, you know, everyone else is normal and you're not. Um, I was asked where, if you don't mind, what do you do? Where do you work or like what type of work do you do? Um, I work at a company called SEI Investments, um, in Oaks, Pennsylvania. So, um, long story short, I am policing internal users and the accesses that they have. So it's a desk job. Um, is that a nine to five for you? It's um, it's eight to four. Um, when I'm in the office, I do get to work from home two days a week, so I push it and, and work seven to three. Um, that way, I have more of my day. Um, okay, left your, the rest and of your I, life. <laughs> right, right. And I normally work. I, I work through lunch. I, I don't need an hour lunch in the middle of the day like some people do because I'm not eating at that necessarily at that time anyway. Um, I eat at three thirty. I get up and have my first meal at 3.30. Uh, my second meal is between 7 and 8, then 11 to, how many am I up to, and then um, 6 or 7. So I'm not eating necessarily at a prescribed lunchtime anyway, so I just eat at my desk, get my work done, and, you know. I found I found that part of that made me more efficient, right? Because like I'm not get you're not getting up and drive, getting your car driving to someplace to eat, waiting in line, waiting for food, like. You just eat your food Correct. at your desk. And you, you save money. You see, you do. Yeah, people are always mm-hmm. like, oh, it's so expensive to eat healthy. It's like, well, not if you prep it ahead of time. If you prep right. it ahead of time, it's way cheaper than going out to lunch every day. So I mean, I just spent an hour and a half before we before we got on this call. I spent an hour and a half, and I have six days of meals yeah. done. So it's, it's you know, it, people are – I mean, I will – like when I come home from, from work, I'll have – I'll make my eggs and my oats. But the oats I make in bulk at the beginning of the week, so – it's really just cooking up the eggs, which takes five five minutes. So 
I'm saving a lot of time every day. It's, it's funny that you said that about dr- the drinking and the temptation stuff. I think I've been peer pressured to drink more as an adult than I was ever growing up, like high yeah. school and college. And like now that I'm adult, people are like, just have one beer. Just drink it. I don't see what I've the big never, deal is. And it's I've like, never why don't you leave me alone? <laughs> right. Now, no, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I, I, I don't mind a bourbon here and there um, if I'm not on prep. But it's not one of those excessive, overindulgent things. So, um, um, I'm not. I I'll abstain all during prep. Like I was on prep from the beginning of January through this last show, so it was almost 11 months. Oof. Holy crap! Yeah. So I mean, I had the, I had some space in between the shows where I increased my calories a little bit, but it was it was still prep food. Um, I, even now, I'm still I'm still mainly on my prep food diet like on the weekends i'll I'm, i'll indulge and have you know um uh, a few more calories than i normally would but um monday through friday it's just easier um with work and clients to stay in that prep mode so let's hypothetically let's say you you had enough of uh physique bodybuilding you like you're mm-hmm. like all right i'm gonna be done with that i'm gonna switch over to ocr and commit to ocr full-time what mm-hmm. lessons would you take from the physique uh, competitive world and apply to uh, OCR? Um, I think, uh, I mean, overall, the level of commitment. Um, you know, if you say you're going to do something, you stick with it. Um, uh, sticking with your training. Um, work on your weaknesses. Um, we all have them. Um, you know, they'll, they'll tell you. Um, and the, the good thing about the shows. Um, after you, after the show, um, you can contact the judges and they'll tell you why you placed where you placed and the things that you need to work on. So, you know, you don't normally get that in OCR. Well, oh, you have to go work on this, this, or this. And you may know, you may not know. Um, but understanding what your weaknesses are and working on those to, to, you know, to strengthen them and then bring, bring a better package to the table or to the, to the race line. Um, and then, you know, proper fueling of the body, it's, it, it all goes hand in hand. I mean, you're going to feel more. Uh, you want to make sure you're putting the right things in your body, especially right before a race, because it can make a, make a, a big difference. Um, so, I mean, just signing up, committing, and, you know, showing up and not quitting. Yeah, strongly concur with all that. I After uh, I left bodybuilding type stuff, my overall diet is definitely healthier. Like, it... From compared to before, because like it, it readjusted that baseline where now um, the stuff I realize is unhealthy. I, I mean, I st- I'm definitely I definitely eat a lot crappier than I did you know when I was competing. But um, right, it's it, again it's it's readjusted it, and I I definitely eat healthier now. And then the other thing was that commit, like you said, with the commitment. You know, before I did natural bodybuilding, I did marathon running, and marathon running, you get up in the morning, you run your miles, and it's pretty much it for the day, right? Like. You generally eat whatever you want. You're like, oh, I'm going to go run too far tomorrow, so I'm going to burn it off. It's not a big deal. And that's really it. And then you switch, like I switch, and I switch to bodybuilding. It's like we were talking about earlier. It is life-consuming, right? Like food, the sleep, the training, like everything is revolving around this. And when yeah. I found OCR, I took that same commitment level and just kind of refocused it, you know, mm-hmm. towards OCR. And it's been working out pretty well for me. So, yeah. Good. Just like I need to, I need to give it a try. Sounds like it'd be positive for me. 
I, you know, I mean, it's definitely a life-changing um, event, and, you know, whether you're doing it to address a fear, whether you're doing it as a bucket list item, whether it's something that, you know, you fall in love with and, you know, you want to pursue it further, um, just always remember it's it's about the the experience, the journey, um, not necessarily the destination. You're on stage maybe three minutes. So if you're only doing it to be on stage for three minutes, you're doing it for the wrong reason. So make sure you, you take in the experiences that you have along the way, um, the people that you meet when you're there. You know, I've met so many strong women. And, you know, growing up and as a teenager in, early, in my early 20s, I wasn't friends with a lot of women. Um, you know, I, I um, for one reason or another, I either felt threatened or didn't think they liked me or whatever the case might be. And I realized that, hey, you know, maybe I need to open up and smile and engage in conversation. And um, I have grown as a person um, through this sport and learning to talk to people and communicate and, and um, realize that, you know, I have a story to share and I can be positive for other people who you know, maybe they're scared out of their mind. You don't but you start talking to them and you realize that they have fears and you can, you know, maybe you've been down that road and you can share with them and, and put them at ease. And, um, you know, it's been very rewarding in that, in that sense, um, regardless of the medals or the trophies or whatever, you know, the friendships that I've, that I've created, um, the women that, that, that I've connected with, it's just, you, you can't put a, a, um, a price tag on it. It's just, it's been phenomenal. And that's so. awesome. That's why I like, what Evan and I do here to bring on different guests for learning things. And then in this sense, I mean, it's eye opening for women that might have insecurities, like you said, or not have any idea about it. So it's kind of, you're trying to create kind of like a community within it. that might not have existed before. Like you said, your group has grown so much and Mm -hmm. it might've been a sport that wasn't known for like camaraderie and community because you're basically judging yourself against other females, which is in our, in our day, that's really what everybody does. And it's so negative. Right. And I like and love that you're putting a positive spin on it for everybody. So I'm glad we have you to share that. <laughs> and uh, others listening will hear because, I mean, it's I like the community feel of OCR. So I think you might have felt that and you're taking it there to bodybuilding, yeah. which is pretty yeah. awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, you asked what, what, what I would bring from bodybuilding to OCR, but I took what I've learned in OCR and brought it to bodybuilding. That's awesome. Um, nice. So... And I do have to ask, so that's kind of real quick, on the, like, touching on people's fears. Obviously, it helped you or cured your fear of mm-hmm. getting in front of people. Um, the whole, you said you're on stage three minutes, but, like, did you have a hard time with taking such criticism? Because, again, just having someone be like, you're not this enough, you're not big enough, or your butt's not big enough. I mean, like... Um, well, they don't tell you while you're standing on stage. <laughs> Um, so, you know, you, you're up there and they're, it's not like, a, Evan, I don't, they're, it's not like a sorority lineup where they line you up and criticize you. <laughs> they just take notes and no. then you talk to them after. Yeah. Right. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They do. It's a quiet criticism. Um, uh, you know, and you take what they, what they say to you. And like with this last show, um, I was, um, completely confused with this last show, um, because the feedback I got from the seven or eight judges, none of it matched. So, uh, you know, we we don't like to think that there's politics involved, but there's there's always some level uh, involved. And, and their inconsistencies um, gave me pause. And I had a slightly sour taste in my mouth, but I knew that I brought the best package that I had to stage. And um, I was happy with what I brought. So, um, 
while you want to take their criticisms, you have to understand that those are seven people. Right. They don't live with you. They don't work with you. They, they're not you. You know, and at the end of the day, if you're happy with what you have, that's what counts. You know, you can listen to them and, you know, you know, and there's, there's, there are certain bona fide things that, you know, if they say that you need to work on, but, um, don't take it personally. Right. And I know that's hard because they're talking about you, but know, know that they're talking about, okay, these are a set of standards that we're comparing to. So they're just trying to align you with those standards. Makes sense. So think of it that way rather than a personal attack. Right. Rather than saying, oh, your butt's bad. No, they're saying that your, your derriere isn't, isn't in line with the standard. Exactly. Gotcha. So before we start wrapping it up, you know, I talked about some of the positive effects of readjusting your baseline from, from this sport. Um, and But we I haven't really talked about some of the negative effects, right? So you see yourself in a certain physical condition where you're super lean, right? Which is not maintainable mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. It's not maintainable year round to be no. stage ready that lean. Um, right. So I think there's, I don't know what the percentage is, but I know some people come away from the sport, you know, developing basically like body dys- dysmorphia disorder or, you know, eating disorders as a result of it. So what would right. you say to someone um, who may, maybe is transitioning out of the sport or um, I don't know if you had this experience within your help group, but like, well, you know, has going through that type there's of, a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of women on the page that are like, Oh my gosh, I'm five pounds up. Oh my gosh, I'm 10 pounds up. Oh my gosh, I'm 15 pounds up. You know? And, um, number one, I would keep, keep the pictures of your befores, you know, at, you know, uh, I took pictures every morning from the time that I started prep all the way to the stage. Okay. And even after your show, even after you've gained that five, 10 pounds or whatever, whatever you've gained nine times out of 10, you still look a hundred times more amazing than when you started your prep. So you got to remember where you come from. Number one. Um, number two, remember how you felt when you're, you know, walking around on 12 to 1500 calories. You don't want to feel that way. Um, and I, and I've recommended to the girls to have prep clothes and non-prep clothes because the first thing that happens is they're trying to wear the same clothes that they wore two weeks before a show. And then they wonder why they can't button them up. So they feel, you feel huge. So, um, I personally have, um, prep and non-prep jeans and I switch them out and I don't even think about wearing those clothes that I wore within four weeks of a show. Um, now, I mean, I, and I will say that, um, even now when I'm eating, if I'm eating something not prep approved, um, that thought goes through my head of what is this going to do to me? You know, you have that expanded notion, I'm eating a cookie, so I'm going to gain five pounds. You know, even though I know logically that's not going to happen, um, it, it is, it is very real. Um, the thought process that, that, that you go through, um, I don't have, um, crazy words of wisdom other than, you know, continue to work out, continue to, um, do at, at least 80% healthy, you know, if you're not doing another show, um, and just, just be realistic. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think there's some great tips in there. So, so, and it sounded realistic. It wasn't like a, just a, a science to it. It sounded like that would kind of be things that, 
a novice or someone new could understand and relate to, I guess. Right. <clears throat> right. I mean, I mean, you can you can sit and you know calculate your macros out, and they do talk about reverse dieting, which is simply taking your prep and flipping it backwards, if you will. Um, so you're slowly increasing your calories. So you know, obviously, you don't want to do a show and then you know if you're sitting at 1500 calories you don't want to bounce your calories up to 2500 calories and you want to make sure even as you're increasing your calories you keep your percentages um, on point so you don't want you know you don't want to spike your carbs from the 112 grams we talked about to you know 160 grams because your body's gonna he's not going to react well so i mean if you want to talk about the technical numbers and that type of thing you know you want to keep your percentages close to what they were on prep just increase the total number of calories. Yep. Makes sense. Good advice. All right, should we start wrapping it up, Rana? I would say I got all my questions, yeah. <clears throat> so, Heather, do you have any, like, shout-outs you want to give to friends, sponsors, coaches, or mention what's the Facebook group that people can join? Um, the Facebook group, if uh, any ladies out there are thinking about competing, have questions have already competed, um, want a place where they can vent, feel that they, you know, if their loved ones don't quite understand what they want to get into, um, it's simply prep squad. Um, there's three questions you answer um, to get on the page, uh, nothing complicated. We just want to make sure that you're actually interested in, in, in being on the page. It's uh, full of positivity and it is a natural um, page. Um, not saying that if you if you choose to take enhancements or anything, you're not welcome. You are. Uh, we just ask that you don't talk about it. Awesome. So, but yeah. Um, and my um, my workout partner Liz, she's also my chiropractor. Um, keeps me in line. Literally. 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 Yeah. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Awesome. She keeps my she puts my shoulder back almost every day. So very nice. Yeah. Goodness. From. Well, Evan, what about you? Who you got today? Um, I just got a lot of articles coming out. Make sure you're checking Mud Run Guide and Strength and Speed. Also, the Strength and Speed uh, development team applications are going to open soon, or they may have opened already by the time this podcast is released. So you can head over there and apply if you're interested in being pulled into like a private Facebook group with a bunch of the Strength and Speed athletes, where we have uh, you know physical therapists in there, nutritionists, personal trainers. You know, a bunch of athletes, some specializing in short course, some specializing in long course, kind of everything in between. You know, some a little more weight training focused, like strength and speed was kind of founded on, and some a little more, you know, a lot of them, the majority of the group's very heavily OCR focused. But if you'd like to apply to that, um, basically it lets you in for free, and then you get some free strength and speed merchandise. And then as I get uh, benefits from sponsors and partners that I can pass along to you, I pass them all along to people within the group. So. Head over there and apply if you're interested. Brenna. Um, so mine is more of I a product kind of like shout out. I have been seeing it. I don't know where why it just all of a sudden popped up, but um, I love sunglasses and I always get the real like cheap free Kill Cliff or I have one from every race series that I just picked up and they're like plastic and colored. But I wear them on build and get them scratched up all the time. So I've been seeing um, the brand Gooder that I think, like, Amelia Boone is a sponsor or, like, ambassador for. And um, I think they were featured maybe in a review mud run guide, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. But Brett Stewart had them at um, SCRWC in London. And I was like, I got to get some. So I finally did. I got two pairs of these awesome glasses. And I want to say they were inexpensive. 
Um, they have really cool, like, packaging and brand model and everything to them. Um, they fit really cool, and then I'm going to test them out uh, this weekend when I race. I'm going to, you know, wear them and see. They're supposed to be known for, like, you can shake your head and bounce around, and they don't come off. So everybody knows that I shake my head and bounce around a lot. So <laughs> I'm really excited to um, put these to test. So um, if you've been looking for some sunglasses, I recommend them already, and I haven't even, like, extremely worn them. So check out Gooder. Um, they're really just fun, cool glasses, and they're not super expensive, but they're good quality. I know they've got so, yeah, some fun names and some pretty fun colors. What uh, names or colors yeah. did you get? Oh, man, I got Phoenix at the Bloody Mary bar or something okay, so like that. Red, and, ones, red ones, I'm assuming? Yeah, good figure. They're a red uh, room with, like, red, shiny, fiery orange lenses. And then I got this other pair. Um, I didn't realize when I ordered them that they're actually for someone with, like, a bigger head. Oops, I don't think I have a big head. So <laughs> they're a little bit big, but they're going to be perfect for, like, my race build glasses. They're just wider frame, but they're, like, black with, like, a yellow lens. And, I mean, they've got all colors and shades. So I'm going to order more, and I think the name gets it. And then they come with this little card that's, like, a care card, and it tells you, like, a good way to care for them and a better way and a bad way. And it just kind of – they're snarky and – make you laugh so it's pretty cool um so check it out cool we doing uh one thing people don't know about you yeah i'm still doing that heather you're up um well you know i've been uh working out i said since i was 18 and bodybuilding ocr all that good stuff but i will tell you that in high school i was really lazy and i almost failed gym class my freshman year in high school that's pretty impressive because it's kind of hard to fail gym class, isn't it? <laughs> well, I refused to change my clothes and I sat on the sidelines, so. Yeah. You were it. that girl. Do it. I was. I didn't want to mess up my hair. That was, that was the days when, you know, the bangs were like five inches off your head and, you know, uh, you run around and it falls down. <laughs> All right, y'all. So if you've seen Heather crawling in the mud, there's CR. Just this is something you didn't know. She was that girl that couldn't mess up her hair. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, Evan, what you got? All right, before Heather freaks out and hangs up on me, you have to let me finish the story. <laughs> okay. I have, I'm sitting in front of my computer in my office, and I actually have a framed picture of Heather at my desk. What? <laughs> so I, I wrote an article for Endurance News, Volume 96, uh, in 2015, and they used a picture from the Battlegrounds 2015 race. So it's like it's four pages, or it's three pages of the article. Um, which is framed, and one of the pictures is the start line. So you are actually like staring at me as I'm recording this, and I didn't even realize it until yesterday when I did another recording. But yeah, you're on the start line, you know, running forward. So that's funny. Volume ninety six, uh, endurance news, Alzheimer nutrition. I'll post the yeah. link later. But yeah, okay. I have a framed picture of Heather. No big deal. Yeah, so that's something we didn't know. Evan's kind of a creeper. All right, all you podcast guests, check out Evan. You might have some framed photos of you. <laughs> Let's see, I see Jason Rulo there, uh, Chris Balvin, Mark McGarry, you know, some, some familiar faces there. Oh, my. oh well, it's my turn. Um, so it goes perfect with this episode. Heather talked about, you know, her why she started the bodybuilding was from a fear of getting in front of people. Um, you get asked all the time or, like, on these applications for shows and different things, like, what's your biggest fear? And... I draw a blank. I'm usually like, um, I don't have a fear. You know, I'm not afraid of the typical heights and speed and spiders or snakes or anything like that. And I finally, in the past, like, 
couple years to figure out what it is. So my biggest and only fear is karaoke. It sounds ridiculous, but there's a reason. So I've tried to figure out, like, why. But, I mean, I get, like, anxiety, and I can go to karaoke, but if there's a thought that I'm going to be, like, asked to do it or try to, like, push up on stage or anything like that, I mean, I'll panic. And we were in Little Rock for CTG, and it was um, Dave Mainprize and Nathan Palmer. We went to this little, like, hole-in-the-wall honky-tonk bar, and there's no one there, and Dave gets up and does karaoke. I go to the bathroom and come back, and they're like, yeah, we put your name on the list. And I I was like, fuck this. I'm paying the tab, and we're going, because I drove, and I paid. So I was like, we're out. And I think they were joking. I didn't want to stick around and find out, though. And then at work the other night, my bar just started doing karaoke on Tuesday nights. And I went in there with, like, a panic attack of, like, <gasps> someone's going to ask me to do karaoke. And I don't know why, because I love talking in front of people. I don't mind microphones. I sing everywhere, but I won't sing on a microphone for karaoke. So there you have it. And I will, I'll fight you. I won't do it. Even. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get going because Heather's got to get up in like four hours to go work out <laughs> or <much>. something. <laughs> so th- thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great. And then we'll, uh, we'll be seeing you at some OCRs later this year, hopefully. Yeah. Maybe Dallas. CDG Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bring the Raising the Bar DVD if you Sounds haven't seen great. it by then. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you.